Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Every week we have a different guest, and today I've got two guests, both of them involved in music in the Catholic Church, both in very different ways. The first is Mario Costabile. He's the co-founder of Tedeum Ministries, which is based in New Jersey, and they do a wonderful ministry called A Ray of Hope. And the second is Monica Fitzgibbons, the co-founder of De Montfort Music. Mario, welcome to More Christianity. Hello, Father. How are you? Great. Mario, I've been over to your website, arrayofhope.net. It's very exciting to look at some of the videos you've got there. Tell us a little bit about your ministry, Array of Hope. Father, Array of Hope is a uh, two-hour multimedia musical concert. You know, it's available for parishes and organizations and churches. And, and what we do is we go in there and essentially provide musical acts, motivational speakers, two hours of video content that really enlighten and offer a lot of hope to young families. Uh, the show's key themes are the sanctity and dignity of all life, and we also emphasize uh, marriage and family life. So it's a very exciting high-energy, youth-based kind of show, but it's very appealing to all ages. So let me uh, get this straight. This is one person who comes and sets up some video screens and there's a video presentation, or is this live action? No, no. It's it's very unique in the sense that it's live action. There's four presenters, so there's actually four different musical acts that speak and present and perform music live, so there's bands, but there's also video content. It's sort of like watching a live music video. The performers are performing, and there's video content that augments the lyrics, but also when they're witnessing and speaking, there's video content that augments their message and, and what we're trying to get across. You know, the show, it's based to have a broad appeal. I mean, often we go into parishes where they're celebrating their 100th anniversary or they're trying to give a spark to their community or their parish, and they'll bring a ray of hope in to sort of like evangelize and get people excited. So initially, the show is really just getting people to like the presentation, to like what they're seeing and hearing, and we use all the mediums that people are accustomed to seeing content in through the secular media, video and music. But then the show delivers its message as the show progresses, and, and the message is really sharing our faith in the Lord, our love in the Lord, and also the main principles that we share as, as Catholics, and that's faith, hope, and love, and that's what we express and witness in the show. So it's unique in, in the way that we're delivering the message that it's, it's very diverse. I mean, a couple people have called us the Catholic Traveling Variety Show. A <laughs> Catholic Traveling Variety Show. Yeah. So I was just trying to think of some name brands for it as well. I was thinking Multimedia Parish Mission, because um, I, I go out quite often to do parish missions, and uh, it's a typical three-day mission in which I speak every night and talk about the stuff that I'm doing and sharing the, the gospel and, and my own faith journey. And uh, I was thinking, boy, if I could have some backup of some music and some big screens up there, it could be pretty exciting. But that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. You're going to parishes, diocesan events and stuff like that, do you? Yes, yes. We've been doing retreats where they bring us in as like the closing part of the retreat. We've done diocesan events where, you know, we're part of their program or weekend. We're doing, you know, a multiple of things that are very exciting. Sometimes our program will alter a little bit based on what the message is or the theme that the uh, church or the diocese is trying to present forward. We're doing a uh, Right to Life event for the youth here at the Diocese of Newark upcoming. So, you know, uh, a lot of the content will be focused on that particular subject. But overall, the Ray of Hope show is a show that we really try to hit people at their, um, their senses. Um, one of the things I want to yeah. remind our listeners about is 
Mario's ministry called Array of Hope. Now, we have to be, instruct you about this. This is one word, array, like a beautiful array, A-R-R-A-Y, of hope. So if you go looking for it on YouTube and online, you want to put array of hope. That's three words, array of hope, instead of four words, array of hope. But there's a play of words there, meaning array, like in the, the first instance, array, but also the wonderful panoply of God's love, which is array of hope to the modern world. Go on to YouTube, check out their page. There's some promotional videos there and some samples of their work. Uh, you can also find them online at arrayofhope.net and uh, find out what Mario is doing. Mario, I see your team of people up on stage there. They all look to be pretty young. What, are you all under 30? Not me. <laughs> but uh, the people that witness are relatively, yes, they're all under 30. So it's exciting that we're essentially doing peer-to-peer ministry. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're hitting the youth and communicating through youth. We're hitting young families, communicating to them through young parents. But there are speakers like myself. I speak at the end, and I, I talk about my experiences in my faith walk. And, you know, I'm a father of five and been married almost 30 years, so I'm not in my 30s. So we, we try to offer a variety of perspectives, again, sort of like the Catholic Variety Show, where we're trying to appeal to everyone at every stage of their faith walk through uh, our witnessing and, and through the experiences of our own faith. I think we're able to really communicate and really relate to people where they're at in their faith walk. So you're working with young people with actually families of all ages, but it's very much a kind of youth-based and youth-oriented ministry. One of the things that interests me about the whole thing is your use of screens and multimedia. I don't know if you're like me, but I I think I'm struggling with a new addiction, which is called a screen addiction. And before long, there's going to be screens anonymous because, (laughs) you know, we're looking at these screens all the time. Our our laptops, our iPhones and our tablets and all these things and, and the big screens, wherever you go, there's a flat screen somewhere showing sports or something. And we seem to have this kind of visual attachment. And so you guys are using that to promote the gospel and share the gospel in, in a very vivid way. Well, you know, Father, you hit it on the head in the way you're describing is that the young people of today um, have been brought up on all this technology. And the way the secular media, the way advertisers convey messages to people today is really through the visuals. They used to say, you know, photograph offers a thousand words. Well, video is a million words. So we use that to our advantage, where the secular media is conveying that negative message to young families. We're using that same technology and trying to convey the Lord's message, the Lord's word, and what he's trying to say through the gospel. So the way it works, if there's a song that's being played lyrically and and the certain content of the lyric is up, well, we kind of augment that through the photographs or through the video. What I've done by trade is I'm a music and video producer, so I use a lot of things that I've learned in the business and my attributes and my areas of expertise, and I, I bring that to our ministry to create video content that is appealing to people and to convey the message that we're trying to convey to them, to touch their heart. To take this a little bit deeper as well, the Catholic faith has always been very visual. You think of the great stained glass windows from the Middle Ages and the great wall paintings, the ceiling paintings. There's always been this visual aspect trying to retell the stories of the gospel. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity, and my guest today is Mario Costabile. He runs the Tedeum Ministry. He's the co-founder, and they have a wonderful program called Array of Hope, which takes a multimedia message and helps to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. I described it as a multimedia parish mission, but it's more than that. Young people are going out and sharing with modern music in a kind of pop rock style, but also with lots of visuals and really engaging people in that program. Now, Mario, 
Another question I wanted to challenge you on is this. Some people are going to say, you know, that looks all well and good, but, you know, aren't you really catering to the world? Aren't you using worldly methods and and therefore condoning all the junk that's out there? And wouldn't your critics say to you, aren't you just kind of contaminating the gospel with all this stuff? Now, now what, what are you going to say to your critics if you have critics like that? Well, we try to meet people where they're most receptive to the Word, meaning the point of evangelizing is so people can ingest and be moved and have their lives transformed through the Gospel, right? If you're using a medium that will not have any effect, it's almost gone in vain. There's no impact. I mean, look, Jesus spoke in parables because he was able to communicate at a level that people understood. If Jesus spoke very intellectually or used uh, metaphors that no one understood, he wouldn't have been able to change the world. I mean, it's the same thing with the Ray of Hope. We use what people use every day and how they're affected in every day. So we're not changing the message nor contaminating it or altering it anyway. We're delivering the message in a vehicle that people are receptive to receiving it kids are on their smartphones, people watch television, you know, endless hours every day, they're on the web, they're on the internet. Visual and music is how people ingest content all the time. So what better way to deliver the message through something that everyone is familiar with and receptive to, and delivering God's message in a way that people will receive, and but more importantly than that, accept you know, and say, wait, you know, maybe there's there's some legitimacy to this. I'm reminded of St. Paul, who was preaching in Athens, and he went in and used the philosophical concepts and the ideas of the uh, Greek philosophers to communicate the gospel. In fact, he actually said, I, I will be all things to all men so that I might communicate to some the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you're saying to communicate the gospel effectively, it's okay to use the cultural media, the cultural methods that we find ourselves in. Isn't that how missions have always worked? So, Mario, you've made your argument here and and made a good argument. Another thing which really interests me in your ministry is the way you interrelate screen content and music and entertainment with the testimonies of real people. And I think this is really important because if we get too wrapped up in the screens, we forget that those are actually real people that are behind the screen and behind the camera. You hit the nail right on the head, Father. The most effective way that people are receiving the message is when people actually share their life and share their stories and witnessing. So we found in doing Array of Hope now, we're going upon our sixth year, is that when people share their lives and their faith and where they've been and where they're going through witness, that's the, the most effective way of reaching people. And what the visuals and the music do is really embody people's emotions. It just really enhances what the person had said from the get-go when they start a presentation with their witness. What is your feeling about integrating this stuff into the actual liturgy? Are you in favor of screens at Mass and, and all that stuff at Mass, too? I would not be in favor of doing too much of the uh, extra stuff and fluff, because the Mass is just that. It's the Catholic Mass. I think Array of Hope is perfect for what it is outside of the Mass, to bring people to the liturgy, to bring people to the Mass, to have some sort of sharing of the the Holy Spirit, and then want to and, and yearn for the Mass. I always come back to when talking about the liturgy and talking about the celebration of the Mass, that it's a, it's a real fine line between celebrating Mass and choosing music for Mass, which does connect with people where they are, but also takes them beyond that. 
the liturgy is supposed to actually take us out of our ordinary world, take us away from our screens, take us away from the music on the radio, take us away from the worldly stuff, if you like, and take us beyond that to the threshold of heaven. The way the liturgy does that, of course, is by focusing on ritual and focusing on stylized gestures and taking us into a language of liturgy and a language of behavior, which is totally unique, totally different from the world. And so what really intrigues me is to see the way these two things actually hold hands, the way they complement each other. So a wonderful ministry like Array of Hope will meet people where they are and inspire them and lead them into a deeper relationship with the Lord. But then they take a step across the threshold of the church into the liturgy of the Mass And there's a step-by-step progression where we're now taking people beyond into something which is extraordinary and beyond their ordinary world. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm talking to Mario Costabil. He's the organizer of Array of Hope. If you're planning a parish mission, a diocesan youth event, why not get in touch with Array of Hope? You can find them on their website, arrayofhope.net. Thank you very much, Mario, for being with us today, and God bless you and your work. Thank you, Father. Thank you. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk to Monica Fitzgibbons about the wonderful success they've had in promoting an obscure order of nuns in Missouri to the worldwide music stage. I want to draw your attention to my latest book, The Romance of Religion. The Romance of Religion is published by Thomas Nelson, and it's available at all good booksellers, also through Amazon and through my website, DwightLongenecker.com. The Romance of Religion is the book, and it explores our Christian faith and challenges you to go further and also understand our Christian faith and our Catholic faith in terms of the great adventure. It goes right back through the Old Testament, the New Testament, and uses those stories and shows how all the great heroes of the faith have stepped out, heard the call of God, and gone on the great journey to the Promised Land. Pick it up and share it with others, The Romance of Religion. And now let's talk to our guest again in More Christianity. Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. My guest is Monica Fitzgibbons. Monica is the co-founder of De Montfort Music, and she and her husband are the brains and the hard work behind an amazing success story of some Missouri-based Benedictine nuns who are setting the classical music charts on fire. Monica, welcome to More Christianity. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Father. You and your husband, Kevin, were actually involved in the secular music industry for some time. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, Father, as you said, my husband, Kevin, and I were for many years executives in the entertainment industry. He worked for Sony, and I worked for DreamWorks, among other places. And we really had been doing that at a very young age, and that's actually how we met, by the grace of God. And kind of went into a deepening conversion along with getting married and having children. And we started to sort of see that we didn't really feel so good about a lot of the content that we were promoting in the culture. And so we developed this sort of parent umbrella company called Aim Higher Entertainment. Mm -hmm. And we moved away from Los Angeles to Arizona, where my husband is from originally, and left behind our jobs. And it was very clear, though, that we were supposed to be doing something different with the skills that we had learned. And through that Aim Higher Entertainment, we worked on anything from licensing music for films, 
developing television shows, but our love is music. And so we have two record labels underneath that umbrella, one of which is this De Montfort music that we're here to talk about today. And that is solely for religious orders to release their chant, monastic, any kind of music, but solely religious orders, and they can feel comfortable to release their music there. So De Montfort music is established to help religious orders to release some of the beautiful music which they use day by day in their worship. So you have to find some religious orders and some, some monks and nuns who actually have the talent, don't you? <laughs> Do they have to come and audition like at uh, American Idol or something like that? <laughs> well, basically, we did start with the Benedictines, I will say. They made sort of a homegrown CD for some of their benefactors who had had the opportunity to hear them sing in their chapel and they just wanted to take it with them kind of out into the world. So they did a bit of a homegrown recording and through a friend of a friend of a friend of a family of a friend, you know, that ended up in our big stack of music that people often will send to us. Our son found it and put it on and <laughs> we were listening to it and we could tell that somebody in that religious order, had some training already. And sure enough, we did find out that the Mother Superior had quite a background in classical music training. So it wasn't a surprise that we then wanted to just come in and document it and and have it produced at a higher quality so that we could really distribute this to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit more about the Benedictine Sisters, Mary, Queen of Apostles community. Well, Father, they're main and only apostolate is praying for priests, such as yourself. Mm -hmm. And they've been around for about 13 years, and that was what they felt their calling was, to go into this monastic existence, which we lay people think of as being more of like a European phenomena. But here they are in the rolling hills of the Midwest, living this old, austere, Benedictine rule of life, and they're in their chapel eight times per day singing, you know, their office, vespers, hymns. All these songs are really love songs to our Lord, and they're very young. So when you hear it, you really can close your eyes and picture the choir of angels. That's what they sound like. And just like any love song that we've ever known and loved that reached out and grabbed us through the passion behind the intention of the love song, these are love songs to our Lord, and so it is a Lent-themed album that we're putting out, and it really is a collection of love songs. Well, let's take a minute right now and listen to some of those love songs to the Lord, as you've just mentioned. My guest today is Monica Fitzgibbons, the co-founder of De Montfort Music, and these are the nuns of Mary, Queen of the Apostles, Benedictine Sisters in Missouri.
Monica, that was beautiful. As you say, it sounded like the angels singing. You know, I'm a Benedictine oblate myself. That means that I try to observe the rule of St. Benedict in my own life outside the monastery, but have spent a lot of time visiting monasteries around the world. And I can testify as well the beauty and the transcendence of this Benedictine Gregorian chant, which the sisters sing so beautifully and, and which, of course, the monks in their own tradition do so as well. Have you got some monks lined up as well to uh, make any recordings for you? <laughs> well, you're you're thinking the right way, Father. We're we're trying. We've got a couple that we really have uh, zeroed in on, and you know we're just praying about it. And you know how the monks are; they'll say, "Well, let me pray and get back to you," and that'll be a, a year. And you think, "Oh, <laughs> I thought they were just going to pray for a couple nights and give me a call." Their pace of life is a little bit slower, as I've discovered, and so you have to slow down when you meet them. This is still one of the great gifts which the Benedictine tradition gives to the Church and gives to the world. And I know the popularity of this ancient chant amongst non-Catholics and non-Christians is phenomenal because, as you say, people are getting a little glimpse of heaven. They're getting a little glimpse of something which is quite beyond their ordinary experience— Now, in our experience, of course, it's going to be this way because our contacts are mainly in the secular mainstream entertainment. So the route that we've taken has sort of been cross-cultural, where we've been on NPR and Good Morning America and kind of had this featured all across the media. So the feedback has been very interesting. I think the resounding a uh, uniform response has been, this music has carved out a contemplative time in my life. It has brought me peace. Mm-hmm. We've had people having this music while they're giving birth all the way to, you know, a loved one dying and, and this bringing them peace. You bring about the comment about all different kinds of people loving this monastic chant. And, you know, I just read recently that Steve Jobs in his biography before he died they asked him, you know, in one of the last chapters, what are you listening to to bring yourself peace? And he said, he commented, monastic chant. So Mm -hmm. it is a mood, and it sort of satisfies a certain longing, I think, for heaven. And people feel safe when they listen to this music that the peace that they're feeling is real and just the gentle guiding hand of the Lord. Monica, thank you so much for telling us about that. I think also one of the beautiful ways that this music actually evangelizes is that it opens people's hearts and minds to a beauty and a wonder that is beyond their ordinary world. And this must surely prompt them to want to look further and say, what is this beauty? Where does it come from? And why do these women devote their lives to this? And hopefully that opens the door and and they begin to explore the Catholic faith and their curiosity leads them further. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity. Today, my guest is Monica Fitzgibbons. She is the co-founder of De Montfort Music. They've had wonderful success in bringing the music of a pretty hidden order of nuns in, in Missouri to the attention of the music world and the wider world. I want to also take a moment now to speak to our listeners and encourage you to go over to my website, dwightlongenecker.com. On the website, you'll find links to the archived programs of More Christianity, so you can go back and listen to all the programs we've recorded over the last couple of years. We're going to listen now to another segment of music from Lent at Ephesus, which is the CD produced by Dent Monfort Music of the Missouri-based Benedictine nuns.
Monica Fitzgibbons, I'd like to take our conversation a little bit further now into the meaning of music for Catholics, why we focus on music, why beautiful music is important. I think it was St. Augustine who said that when we sing, we pray twice. In other words, our Mm -hmm. hearts uh, are lifted to God in both the words that we sing, but also in the abstract beauty of music. How do you think music helps individuals to connect with the spiritual, with the supernatural realm? Well, it makes me think about being with the sisters and how it's a different mode of communicating, of expressing oneself. And where words sometimes fail, beauty will reach into a heart and capture that quiet, that still, that spot that's reserved for our Lord. And I can tell you that this music and other Christian music has helped me to focus on actually loving our Lord. I think of David and the Psalms, what a transformation happened to him, and he had to express it through those Psalms. I do believe it's a a deeper mode of communication. That's a beautiful way of putting it, a deeper mode of communication. In my most recent book, The Romance of Religion, there's a chapter on the pursuit of beauty, And one of the things which I've mentioned in there applies to this same conversation, and that is that when we apprehend beauty, whether it is the beauty of a newborn child, a beautiful sunset, the beauty of drama and the arts, we are opening our hearts and our minds to apprehend something which is an experience which is taking us into that realm which is beyond words. We know that our Lord and his love is actually greater than anything we can express. Therefore, music is that particular gift from God where we actually communicate in beautiful sounds. We're entering into an abstract realm. We're entering into a realm which is beautiful beyond words. And that's what heaven is. Heaven is beautiful beyond words. When we're moved by music and moved by beauty, our human experience comes right to the threshold of heaven where the door is open and we can take a peek, we can get a glimpse of glory, we can look through. And when that music is combined with the sacred words of the Psalms, the sacred words of the liturgy, wow, the power of that is is terrific. Monica, thank you very much for being with us today. Would you please tell us the best way to get hold of one of these CDs? Well, um, you can go to our website, Father, which is www. De Montfort Music, like St. Louis de Montfort, demontfortmusic.com. And the main links to purchase, whether you're iTunes uh, fan or Amazon, or you can order from the sisters themselves, Barnes & Noble, all those links for you to decide where you'd like to purchase are right there on our homepage. Well, thank you very much for being with us today, Monica. I've been speaking with Monica Fitzgibbons. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. Thank you for being with us today. You've been listening to More Christianity.